My name is Jill Phillips and I'm the creator of Who's Shoes, a popular approach to co-production. I was named as an HSJ100 wildcard and want to help give a voice to others talking about their ideas and experiences. I'll be chatting with people from all sorts of different perspectives, walking in their shoes. If you are interested in the future of healthcare and like to hear what other people think, or perhaps even contribute at some point, Whose Shoes Wildcard is for you. Today we're going to be talking about healthcare and support for children and young people. So of course, it's vital to hear from that age group. Grown-ups. Walk in my shoes. Walk in my shoes. Walk in my shoes. Walk in my shoes. It's not so hard to do. It's not so hard to do. You shouldn't have to think too hard. You didn't have to think too hard. Once you were little too. Once you were little too. That's brilliant, thank you. Now, much as I would like to, I don't think I can record a whole episode with a three-year-old. They have far better things to do in life, like charge about and play. But I'm delighted to be talking to someone who is going to bring down the average age of my podcast guests considerably. Put it this way, I left the University of Bristol over 40 years ago, and Aisha Farouk is a current student there. How lovely that she's enjoying and getting good support from my old university. I spotted Aisha and connected with her through the fabulous work that she's doing, working with the NHS in many capacities around listening to children and young people and finding out what matters to them. Aisha was recently appointed as a board member on the Children and Young People Transformation Programme at NHS England. They couldn't ask for anyone better. So welcome to the Wildcard Who Shoes podcast, Aisha. We're intrigued. Who are you? Perhaps you could tell us a little bit more about yourself. Thank you so much, Jill, for having me today. So where do I start? I am a huge advocate for children and young people. I think it's so important that growing up, we have the best healthcare experiences and a voice and a say in everything related to our healthcare, because growing up, that's the sort of experience you'll be taking with you. And that's something that I've been channeling for quite a few years. So you're right when you said that I am currently studying at the University of Bristol. I'm in my second year of pharmacology, which is going well, but tricky, but I do enjoy it. And from my own personal experience, I had to access healthcare services when I was around 16 to 18 years old at my local hospital trust in Bristol. So I had a very turbulent journey and I was in and out of the hospital. I was constantly in outpatient appointments and seeing my GP multiple times a week throughout that time. And it was it was scary. I didn't really know what I was doing and it was a real kind of spanner in the works for me at the time and so lots of things went right but some things did go wrong and that was my main motivation when I joined my local youth forum at my hospital. I thought I really want to change the things that didn't go quite so well and make a real difference for children and young people growing up and who might be experiencing the same things that I was. 
So when I joined the local youth forum, I had the amazing opportunity of being involved with the 15 Steps Challenge, which meant that I went on towards with the other youth members and literally had a feel for the first 15 steps. So looked at the healthcare environment, looked at the healthcare professionals and how they were treating um, patients and just the environment as a whole. And the idea behind the 15 Steps Challenge was really to look at if I was a patient, would I would I feel comfortable being treated here? And I think it was so good to have that kind of feel because if I had been involved in something like that before I went through my whole kind of healthcare journey, I think my experience would have been a lot different. And following that 15-step challenge for the initial wards, I had then with the local youth forum went back to the same ward and done a reaccreditation. And we just followed the whole journey to make the ward young person friendly, which I think is so, so important because when you're that young and you're experiencing healthcare services for the first time, it's an unknown territory. You really don't know what you're doing. And I think there's a real feeling from healthcare professionals as well sometimes of needing the right kind of support and almost guidance in how to treat young people because we are different and we do require different support mechanisms and needs. So I absolutely loved my time on the local youth forum, which I'm still involved with at the moment, but that acted as a major springboard. And from there, I joined the University Hospital Bristol and Western Council of Governors. So I'm a young governor for the trust and have been the last couple of years and I think for me that has been probably the most pivotal thing in my whole healthcare advocacy journey because for me talking to decision makers and challenging them about how to improve services for young people or how to bring in a young person's perspective into things has just been fantastic and more enlightening experience because I've just I've had discussions with non-exec directors and the rest of the council of governors where they've turned around and said I didn't consider that because it's something you wouldn't and it's something that you'd hear from a young person and I've just had the best time and I still continue to input directly into the council of governors and it's really great and I think that's the best part about it is seeing my suggestions and the local youth forum suggestions come to fruition when you actually see change happen you know, that's a job done right. And so from there, I thought I wanted to take my journey um, a step further. So I joined the NICE guideline for babies, children and young people's experiences of healthcare. And I worked alongside the committee and alongside some fantastic lay members who are young people and two parents as well, representing the voice of neonates, because you don't want to forget the babies. Well, we are all babies at one point in our life. So I joined the um, committee and from scoping through to recommendations, developed what the guidance would look like. And I think there's always a real feeling that when you involve a young person, their involvement can be tokenistic. It can be very kind of ticking a box. Absolutely. You're there just to fulfil a need, I guess. But my involvement on the NICE guideline was far from that. And I am so, so proud to say it because everything I had been involved with and every meeting that I was attending, us as lay members and young people and experts by experience were kept at the front of the discussion. So any recommendations weren't made 
they weren't made tokenistically. So, for example, um, in a meeting, we were asked, so we were given a topic review question and we were first asked about our thoughts and then the draft recommendation was formed afterwards. And it's just keeping our experiences at the front and then introducing the other the other um, thoughts around the room, which I think is so important. But I had an amazing time on the NICE guideline and I'm really pleased to say that it has been published. Um, I think it was published last year in August 2021 and we are currently working to try implement this as far afield as we possibly can and get as many clinicians and healthcare professionals using it as we possibly can too. It's a really important piece of guidance and I think it really shapes how babies, children and young people want to be cared for especially when they're going through, you know, that healthcare journey. So after my really exciting time on the NICE guideline, I thought I want to take the work that I've done a step further and I want to continue kind of representing the young people that I've formed those connections with. So I then joined the National NHS England Youth Forum. Wow. And that had been amazing to say the least because it really open doorways that I never thought I would be seeing and um, I'm really really pleased to say that this year I had led on a healthcare inequalities project looking at the social determinants of healthcare so the other factors things like income um, your kind of family units your educational background the things that healthcare professionals know affect young people and children but may not know how to support them with and might not know how to mitigate them so i was leading on the project where we created a survey and the survey was there to gauge an idea of young people's experiences of those healthcare inequalities those social determinants in particular and believe me the data that we got afterwards was so incredibly powerful and rich it was just it was so moving to the point where I thought I want to do something here and now like I'm doing it as a project but you really want to change things when you kind of hear it directly from young people it just becomes even more impactful and so we as a team collected all the data all the responses including the qualitative quantitative and then anecdotal responses and then formed a report and the report highlights some of the main recommendations that young people have told us and the recommendations that we formed as a result of the experiences that they've told us they've had and i'm so pleased to say that our recommendations have actually formed a response to the white paper issued by the Office of Health Improvements and Disparities, particularly focusing on health inequalities. So I'm so, so pleased that we've heard from young people. We've got their experiences. We've put that out in a report, but that report hasn't only just gone and sat on someone's desk. That's actively been listened to by the Office of Health and Improvements and Disparities, which I think is a massive feat because it's incredible it's amazing (laughs) well done you (laughs) because you don't get I think that's a really tricky thing sometimes young people can have their voices heard they can have a say but then it's that last sort of well what came out of it you've listened you've heard you've sat me around a table but what's come out of it and that for me being published was a massive massive achievement because it's exactly as I've said, we haven't just heard from young people, but we've actively 
listened, used, and now hopefully going to see an implementation their their experience is changing and I think that's so important for future generations going forward that they're going to see a real improvement and through the NHS Youth Forum I've been so fortunate to be as you mentioned um, appointed as a board member for the Children and Young People's Transformation Programme which I think is absolutely vital in healthcare for children and young people across England being the main kind of national program that leads on the work I'm super excited to be working with all the other youth board members and the amazing clinicians not forgetting Sarah Jane Marsh of course who is an absolutely amazing chair and I'm just very excited to start working with the team and looking more at the national projects and how we can integrate those into the new systems that have recently been established on the 1st of July and um yeah <laughs> that's that that's quite some start and that's really where when we started to actually sort of get to know each other a bit and, and talk to each other and compare a few stories some of these amazing people like Sarah Jane Marsh and also Kath Evans absolutely have been a key part of both of our journeys tell, tell us a bit about how Kath Evans came in as well absolutely Kath Evans where do I start CYP <laughs> extraordinaire <laughs> honestly yeah she really is she's amazing isn't she I don't think I've met actually no that's a lie everyone I've met so far has been so passionate about children and young people and I think it's not just my personal motivations that really kind of drive my eagerness to help improve healthcare outcomes for children and young people but I'm also so inspired by the clinicians, the healthcare professionals, you know, whether that's doctors, allied healthcare professionals, or more kind of senior decision making leaders, that I'm actually so, yeah, I'm just so driven by. And it's just seeing their enthusiasm and passion that really kind of fuels my motivation too. So I first had the pleasure of meeting Kath Evans through the NICE guideline on babies, children and young people's experiences of healthcare. Oh, did you? Okay. So Kath um, was also a member of the committee and rightly so. I don't think there would have been a better fit than Kath. And she brought so much perspective and insight. And she at the time was also involved with the NHS Youth Forum alongside the other things that Kath is always sibling in and out of. But just working with her and looking at her passion and enthusiasm really just made me think, wow, you know, everything that I'm doing, every kind of meeting I'm attending or every kind of presentation I'm going to on how to engage young people better is so worth it when you have clinicians like Kath around who are there to back you up, support you. I recently did a presentation on co-production and Kath Evans was amazing and so responsive and saying, yes, I'd be happy to do a video and show an example of good co-production. She's literally always there when you need her. Like anything, any advice, anytime, Kath is there. Do you think I should have her as a podcast guest? A hundred percent, yes. <laughs> I think so, don't you? I think she needs to be there because that's what I've seen. Like, you know, I've been with her I remember an event at Great Ormond Street and that was my first experience of really seeing Kath working with young people and also some of the work that we did around this CYP Me First communication project that I was mentioning to you. Kath is extraordinary, isn't she? And lovely. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's just her drive and passion. And like I said, she's a CYP extraordinaire. 
and what I'm hearing and I'm feeling to be honest quite envious about is you know we've got our shared University of Bristol experience but obviously mine all that time ago I think well I wonder how much more I'd have achieved if I'd met people like Kath and Sarah Jane Marsh when I was your age and to hear your passion and how they're affecting you so young you've got it all ahead of you and it's very very exciting Asha. It's so exciting and I think that it's as you said it's literally meeting the right people who kind of drive you drive your passions because another thing that I through my own experiences have really seen is how pivotal um, clinicians are not just when you're being treated but also just from the outset so everything that I've been involved with I've had some super duper like eager and keen clinicians and healthcare professionals who have been really supportive when it came to me raising a suggestion or a concern and I think that has been really empowering and I think if I hadn't had had those really good encounters I might not have done the things that I had so I very very recently joined um, Celiac UK as a trustee and that's the first time that I have done a trustee position but I'm so excited and it was actually suggested um, by a clinician of mine who said you've got some real experience and you are so motivated by the people that you're around have you thought about it and I thought why not because at the end of the day children and young people's voices shouldn't be seldom heard we make up a third of the population and I don't think that's often recognized that's a large proportion and to not hear from them just feels like you're missing out on such a range of voices and you aren't hearing from that diverse range of people how are you then shaping your um, policy your strategy your healthcare service design so that's why I'm a hundred percent for children and young people being on boards being part of youth forums being everywhere and anywhere because we bring a different perspective and it's so so important to see that and I think that's a hundred percent what all the clinicians that I've been in touch with I've ever kind of worked with have seen they've always seen that potential that young people bring and that diversity it's really important and I think it's not just I mean you mentioned obviously a very large proportion of the population but it's it's a very different portion of the population so it was making me think Bob Kleber very recent episode and he one of the quotes that stuck with me from that, he's an amazing paediatrician. You'd love him if you haven't. I don't know if you've come across him yet, but you will do. Cool. I have. I mean, I've, I've definitely seen his work around, but I haven't um, ever had the privilege of meeting him. He's on my next person to have a meeting with. <laughs> he's on your stalking list. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's on my stalking list as well. And I haven't actually met him in person, but I did have the privilege of speaking to him on the podcast. And the reason I was particularly mentioning that other than just the fact that he's the kind of clinician exactly that you're talking about, Aisha, in terms of, you know, really, well, literally being down there on the floor with children. He says he doesn't wear a tie because it would get caught in their nappies. And, you know, just <laughs> you just had this lovely picture, you know, but the, the particular thing was he said there's a well-recognized quality improvement approach called five whys, which is very powerful. And he said, but children would naturally have, and I think he said 19 whys. It's just like what children do that you question things. And that yeah. can be incredibly refreshing and just see things differently. And things that are taken for granted I mean I loved it I mean in terms of one or two of the things I've picked up so far so 
as you probably know, I'm trying to collect lemon light bulbs through the series. Yeah. And you were talking about, you know, clinicians who hadn't considered that before. That's the kind of, that's a proper lemon light bulb. You know, I never actually thought of that or realised that. And also the genuineness, I think, of putting children and young people not in you know, not just not tokenistic but the opposite of that i love the idea of hearing from the children and young people first and then letting the other opinions fit round it rather than as an add-on and in terms of power and, and feeling valued and feeling part of things mm-hmm. and probably getting the best out of people because you absolutely. know that your voices are really being listened to absolutely in fact that's a really really key point and a super important point that you've mentioned I think in trying to engage, involve and co-produce with children and young people, it's so important to not be tokenistic. And I think whenever I've had conversations and whenever I've kind of presented to clinicians and healthcare professionals about engaging and involving young people in designing and shaping healthcare services and actually strategy and policy, the things that they come out with are kind of things like okay, how can we involve them not tokenistically? How can we ensure that, you know, we are actually using their voices actively and not not hearing them as white noise in the background? And if I'm honest with you, I have, I have recently done a presentation on this, but I think more so than that, from my own experiences, there's something around truly listening. I think it's important to recognise that every suggestion a child or young person makes isn't just done on a whim you know I think children and young people do have a thought process even though lots of people may think that you know they come out with random things they're not random they're spontaneous and there's a reason and okay I admit not everything can be used in you know designing or shaping a healthcare service not every suggestion can be used otherwise the NHS would be a very very fun place for children and young people (laughs) and you probably you would have bouncy castles in every outpatient department but I think there's something around acknowledgement there's something around recognizing and as you said Jill rightly something around really valuing the young person and the child's opinion and suggestion because as I said you know they are experts by experience they are thinking about it before saying so I would always recommend that if you are engaging involving and co-producing most importantly with a child or young person make sure that you value their contributions and I think there's also another element to making sure that you give them the reins. So like I said, with the NICE guidance, the recommendations were asked to us first as young people and experts by experience, you know, the lay members. And then the floor was opened to the other committee members who definitely had a say, but the young person's recommendations were always opened kind of first. And I guess that's a, that's a real kind of, for me, a showcase of letting young people lead I think it's really important that if you are going to leave young people feeling really empowered and if you want them to come out feeling, you know, really kind of, yes, I'm going to co-produce again with another clinical team, that you really let them lead and you let them you let them shape the project itself. I think definitely making sure that they have the right support mechanisms in place is really important, but also at the same time, giving them the reins, letting them choose the elements that they want to focus on, 
It's really important. And I think you would definitely see a real kind of uptake and engagement. And you'll see a real improvement in the relationship between the healthcare professional and the young people who you're kind of co-producing with. That, that's so interesting. And I mean, I suppose my mind's going off in terms of thinking of my other work and people who are regarded as they, you know, that awful phrase, hard to reach. And some of the work that we've done recently, particularly around health inequalities and people from black and ethnic minority communities. And I think those same principles that you're applying really do apply to everybody. And I love the way you talked about if it's done right, people, it's the next stage after that initial engagement, isn't it? Absolutely. Are you completely turned off? Nobody was listening or I never got to hear anything about what happened as a result of my contribution. Or are you, wow, I'm going to get more involved, deeper involved. Just that exact journey that you've described about how you've been sort of hooked into wanting to do more and more. Exactly. And, you know, you've literally captured it because that's that's really it. I think when youth engagement is done well, when you've really been truly involved in something, it really kind of sets you up for the next thing. And I think it's really misunderstood because the doors and the opportunities after you've done one project are endless. You can literally go on and do lots of other things because you've had that good experience. But if you haven't, it really stops you. And personally, like I said, young people and children account for a massive proportion of the population. And I can imagine, I don't know, can imagine going to an outpatient appointment and it being not kind of young person friendly if I was that age. Yeah. And some of the wonderful examples that I hear and see on Twitter and so on, I mean, I, I don't know, things like, is it Elsa, the frozen character? Yes. Yeah. Something like, you know, picking up children's characters and perhaps if you've got to have the, you know, really awful experience yeah. of having radiotherapy for cancer treatment, if you can suddenly be a superhero or, you know, Elsa from Frozen or whatever it might be, your character and you've got, you know, yeah. somebody's bothered to make that for you and it's exciting absolutely and it just takes some what imagination I mean some of it costs money but I suppose the sort of things I was going to ask you before we finish I think you've done brilliantly in covering your tips it's like top tips as we go along but going almost back to the beginning of the conversation and the way that the best people have listened to children and young people what are the kind of simple things, you know, perhaps that don't cost money that might have happened as a result or have happened as a result of that sort of genuine engagement? I think and that's a really, really good question. I think really simple things that I've seen kind of on a local level within my hospital trust have been things like having a toolkit developed. So we had a passport developed for the children's hospital. I think it was for the emergency department. So it was like an ED passport. When I come into ED, these are things that you should know about me. And that was shaped by the local youth forum. Um, so it kind of went out to us. We had a look at it, sent back, they made some adjustments. And then we had a look at the final piece. And it's been so successful in its rollout because... Children and young people, when they are going to ED, are given that passport. And for them, it's a known fact that EDs are really busy places. And sometimes in the hustle and bustle, especially when you're a child or young person, you can feel slightly neglected because of just the sheer busyness. And I think having that passport and just writing everything down about yourself makes your journey feel that little less stressful. 
and mm. just a little less chaotic because you know that somebody's going to read that passport and you know when you go into the treatment room somebody's going to read about your favorite color or you know your favorite book to read yes. and it's just small things like that that make a massive difference to your actual healthcare experience the journey and eventually your kind of outcome as a result as well and it all links back to that what matters to you doesn't it so yeah exactly for busy clinicians yeah some something they can pick up on quickly yeah rather than just generally like massive stereotypes like a boy let's talk about football or something that actually yeah. it's a personalized oh i bet you love the gruffalo or you know whatever it might yeah. be that to know that and just have a heads up that that would be a good place to just connect with somebody exactly and also as a result of the passport i've heard on one occasion that following something that a child had written on their passport itself they actually had like a cuddly toy and they brought that cuddly toy out for that child when they came to the treatment room and it made such a difference because he was absolutely i was just so thrilled yeah. he was non-stop like crying bless him so for him to go from the kind of unease that he was in to begin with to feeling kind of really uplifted as a result of the um, healthcare professionals around him reading his passport and then bringing out that cuddly toy just made such a difference and it's simple things like that these are such lovely stories to hear aren't they yeah. and I suppose that's what I'm trying to do through Who's Shoes and the podcast and so on to collect when people sort of hide behind staffing pressures or money or resources and I mean obviously all those things are incredibly important and very real and are stopping a lot of things that would be ideal mm -hmm. but some of these things are more just I was going to say compassion and small things that help but probably that also you know even in a really kind of cold clinical way help that situation to be more efficient because if the child is calm and happy obviously it's a much nicer experience but probably you know you get your scan results or you get whatever it is that needs to be done exactly far more efficiently the health of the child and the benefit of the service as well in terms of seeing the next person you absolutely know. absolutely a couple of things you've just said, Aisha, really link back. So there's an episode we've already had with Angela Cornwall. And so a different perspective again, a parent. And she talked on the podcast about speedy boarding, which was really relevant to children in terms of having that heads up about what matters to them. And for example, you know, if somebody's got sensory overload or the sort of problems that might really affect if they're just waiting in a busy room and the appointment's delayed and some really specific things about arranging an appointment perhaps at the beginning of the day or the end of the day and all that kind of like personalization so that came to mind and she also talked about something she's developed which was a patient passport and Angela was talking about her grown-up daughter I mean obviously she hasn't always been grown up you know she's grown up now but as a mother um, over the years looking after her mm -hmm. and to have immediate details of her rare condition in a very easy kind of passport mm -hmm. so that someone knows that you know right from the beginning and also some work that I'm doing at the moment been working very exciting with the maternity teams in London mm -hmm. looking at triage in maternity mm -hmm. but also postnatal handover and this could be as basic as you know, a health visitor coming to a woman's door and not knowing something so important, like for example, the baby was in a neonatal unit or 
the baby was a surviving twin, possibly, or the mothers have really serious perinatal mental health problems. Mm. And if that basic information isn't there, that relationship is, in my view, doomed. Mm. And to put it into some form of, you know, the equivalent of some passport, some one-page profile that people can get involved in, like, what's important to you? What would you not want someone to come to your door unless they know as a starting point? And then you've got all the, you know, detailed notes and the things that people ideally should know and should read. But to reduce things into something that just just a high level document this is a given you need to know this about me for it to be an effective yeah absolutely effective care yeah absolutely we've been talking about so many things i've loved this conversation Aisha. did you say it's the first podcast you've yes. done i listen to them quite a bit but i don't do i haven't done any <laughs> well i'm very thrilled that this is your first podcast Aww. because it definitely won't be your last one and the whole nature i guess of what i'm trying to do is just chat to people mm. they're just conversations yeah. And I think conversations matter. 100%. 100%. You need to have that dialogue. 100%. Yeah. yeah. So I was just wondering, there must be things that you're particularly proud of in terms of how you've used your own lived experience? Absolutely. So I've been so fortunate to have used my lived experience of asthma care as a child and then through to a young adult now. Um, to inform and shape the National Asthma Care Bundle, which I am delighted to say is currently out for implementation after a really successful phase one. And it's currently being implemented across all ICSs. So my role for the programme is a patient public voice partner and I attend oversight meetings. So I've basically had involvement through the development and scoping phases of the bundle and I've had literally the opportunity to say the things that worked for me and the things that really didn't during my asthma care so growing up a really big problem that I found was just adhering and also knowing kind of which inhalers to take at the right time because generally when when you're kind of that young you don't really know the importance of it and that's something that I really struggled with and not to mention inhaler technique growing up I never really knew how to take my inhaler properly and these are all things that have been captured by the asthma care bundle and things that have now been properly and fully addressed so that children and young people growing up can have a smoother a better asthma care journey and are basically going to have better healthcare outcomes. So I'm so pleased now to be working with my local ICS in starting to implement the bundle, um, looking at kind of pilot programmes and still working very closely with the national team. That's so interesting. And just for my own sort of curiosity, really, in terms of my recollections of the children at primary school, Is there anything in that that would help schools to understand better about asthma and inhalers and so on? Because I remember this row of little inhalers in the school office marked with the children's names. A hundred percent. The major learning that I would say has come out of the asthma care bundle has been around training competencies. So kind of As you said, in schools, you would have children and young people attending who have asthma would bring their inhalers. So usually it would be a um, reliever inhaler with them just in case. And I think generally and 
myself and the other patient public voice partner on the asthma work stream have experienced it but in schools there was a real kind of lack of knowledge so what the asthma care bundle has now rolled out is a training competency framework and basically that's a document that lists out different professionals that have different interactions with young people so teachers are on there healthcare professionals including nurses um, pediatricians consultant pediatricians and depending on kind of your exposure amount if you like with the young person you have to have a certain amount of knowledge so teachers are now included on that training competency because it's actually come to light that young people and children spend a lot of their time at school and you know asthma is with you all the time. It doesn't kind of stop when you're at school. So it's really important that teachers have the right and kind of adequate knowledge. And that's something that the training competency framework will be helping support with. Fantastic. That's really great to hear. And you must be proud that you've been involved in that. And that must make a difference to everybody. I can imagine that the children and the parents and the teachers must just feel so much more confident. Absolutely. And it will make a real difference. And I'm so, so, so excited to see what it will bring and to see the Asthma Care Bundle come to fruition. Fantastic. Amazing. So thank you so much, Aisha. That's been an amazing conversation. I wish you well in everything you do. I'm thrilled that you're at Bristol University. I really am. And uh, you've got involved with these inspirational people early in your career and you're going to go far. Thank you so, so much for having me today and for listening to everything that I've been involved with. As I've said, I am truly inspired, motivated and driven by all the clinicians, the healthcare professionals that I've been treated by, I've been involved with um, in terms of youth engagement and just a massive shout out to everyone. I really couldn't say thank you enough. If it wasn't for you, I really wouldn't be here having this conversation today. So I'm so grateful that I have been involved in some way and I'm so, so excited for what my future holds and for where my youth advocacy journey goes as well i'm going to be shouting from the rooftops about children and young people until no end they matter (laughs) brilliant how could we end better than that thank you (laughs) thanks i hope you have enjoyed this episode if so please subscribe now to hear more of these fascinating conversations on your favorite podcast platform and please leave a review i tweet as whose shoes thank you for being on this journey with me And let's hope that together we can make a difference.